Welcome, welcome, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, your host, Roberto. Roberto. Zickary. Those are for my illegal friends out there. Roberto. Zickary. Yes, it's the 16th of March, 2017. Listen, I'm not a big... Uh, Twitter troll. Like I don't, I don't, I don't troll people that much. Once in a while, if one of my um, listeners hit me with something and say, "Hey, you got to check this out," I'll go and do a little trolling. But I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm kind of baffled uh, about this. Uh, well. Let me explain. Yesterday, uh, we talked about the whole Rachel Maddow epic fail. And when it happened, not yesterday, but the day before, because our show was on at night, uh, we watched it. And then right from the program, we broadcasted live. So we gave our uh, two cents. And at the end of the day, I said, before the speculation, I bet you Trump leaked these tax returns. I bet you somebody, part of his crew, leaked these tax returns. Just like when somebody leaked the tax returns to the New York Times. Now, That was my speculation. I kind of just threw it out there. And since then, all you've been hearing is Trump leaked the returns. Trump leaked those tax returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Trump leaked those tax returns. Even the guy that got the tax returns, David K. Johnson, He's been telling people, you know, the more I think about it, yep, yep, Trump leaked those tax returns. Leaked those tax yep, yep. So when somebody today hit me and said, you got to check out Michael Moore. You, you, you got to go. It's always a great source of entertainment. So I went there, and he has a tweet, and it says, clearly the source of the leaked return is Trump himself. 10 to 20 missing pages with key info. This is to distract us from Russia and healthcare. <gasps> and so I started thinking what does that say about? Michael Moore, what does it say about Rachel Maddow, who's a Rhodes Scholar? What does that say about NBC? What does it say about MSNBC? What does it say about all of these people on the left that are now saying Trump 
obviously leaked those tax returns. He left off those key pages and only showed the ones that show the money he paid in taxes. <gasps> obviously. What does it say about all of these people that they got duped? That they got snuckered. That they got bamboozled. Obviously. Rachel Maddow has been the punchline. The punchline. To the point where her own liberal partner in late night crime, Stephen Colbert, is making fun of her. Jimmy Fallon isn't really making fun of her, but when he says, oh, so uh, you've been trending on Twitter. When Rachel Maddow is the laughing stock, laughing stock, of millions and millions and millions of people. And those millions of people are quasi-fans of hers. What does it say about the intelligence of these individuals to run with the story if it's obvious that Trump leaked them himself. It didn't occur to any of these people when David K. Johnson, the stalker, opened up his mailbox and was like, what are these? Wow. Two pages of Trump's tax returns. (gasps) Oh my God. I have the golden ticket. I am Charlie. This is the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Oh, my God. And it's two pages, and it says nothing except, hey, Donald Trump made a ton of cash and paid a boatload of taxes. More taxes than Barack Hussein Obama. Mr. Communist himself, Mr. Socialist himself, Bernie, Ben and Jerry Sanders. Hillary Clinton. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So David, the stalker, didn't go, maybe this is a work. Maybe, maybe I'm getting worked here. Maybe, just maybe. This was done purposely so that I would get excited. I would then in turn call my good friend Rachel Maddow up. And of course, she would get excited, actually orgasmic. At the end of the day, 
there's no smoking gun. And we're going to broadcast to millions of people that Trump did what Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party ran around day after day, week after week, and said, which was Trump didn't pay any taxes. Matter of fact, I think one of the lines, and it was a favorite liberal line, was that the very people that Trump taxes than him. So what does it say about Rachel Maddow? What does it say about Michael Moore? What does it say about these people and this unbelievable, the, the, the intelligence, the, the, the brain power they have that even though they, man, 100%, 100% was Michael Morris, like clearly the source of the leaked return was Trump himself. That even with all of these people looking at this paperwork going, Trump gave this to us. Obviously. It makes him look good. So you know what? Let's do a 20-minute lead-up. Let's build this story to monumental proportions and then let it go so everybody could make fun of us all. (laughs) Seriously. For Michael Moore to go clearly the source of the leaked return is Trump himself. Clearly. So Rachel Maddow didn't say that? Rachel Maddow didn't go, hmm, I don't know, Dave. I don't know. You know, it's two pages. This is just going to make him look good. This is really just going to make people go, see, he paid taxes. This is really going to be used to debunk the New York Times article that said Trump hasn't paid taxes in 18 years and the Daily Beast articles that say Trump hasn't paid taxes in 18 years and, of course, every other program that's on MSNBC that says Trump has I mean, basically, this is going to destroy that narrative. Like, Rachel Maddow didn't think of that. I mean, she's I, she's a Rhodes Scholar. She's a genius. She's, I, seriously, as Michael Moore said, again, clearly the source of the leaked return is Trump himself. 10 to 20 missing pages with key info. So... Rachel Moore, again, Andy Lack at NBC, MSNBC, all those executives, show producers. Remember, every single segment, every single segment on those programs have producers. They have showrunners. They, they, have, they have segment producers, segment I mean, they, they have 
staffs of 10, 20, 30 people. It's not Rachel Maddow and one other Rachel Maddow lookalike, Sally Cohen or somebody. It's like a whole crew of people. Not one person, not one individual went, hey, uh, hmm, time out. Yes, what is it? Pat, are we really? Because remember, that whole 22-minute lead-up had graphics. And it wasn't something that was off the top of Rachel Maddow's head. She wasn't riffing. She wasn't doing a Trump at a rally. Where he's like, oh, let's talk about the dishonest media. That, that, that was a written bit. That was a written bit that Rachel Maddow was reading off a teleprompter or referencing off a teleprompter. Graphic. That was a produced bit. So that means people other than Rachel were involved. And you have to assume, you have to assume that they didn't get the tax returns uh, five minutes before she went on the air. You got to assume that this happened in the morning. David K., the stalker, he had to have gotten his fat ass up in the morning, waddled to his mailbox or whatever the hell mailbox inbox whatever he's talking about one has to assume that he went oh my god I'm gonna call Rachel so you have hours and hours of people handling these two pages and it never occurred to any of them, because according to Michael Moore, it was clearly, clearly the sore. Like, Michael Moore saw the story and instantly went, clearly the source of the leaked return was Trump himself. So Michael Moore, the man-woman, this slob, he, he's not as smart as Rachel Maddow. He, he's no Rhodes Scholar. And he clearly, clearly, clearly the source. Clearly. So nobody in Rachel Maddow's office, while they were putting that show together, went, hey, I don't mean talk out of line. What is it, Pat? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not Pat. You're thinking, no, I'm Billy. Okay, Billy. Two pages. Yes. There's no smoking gun here. What do you mean? Well, these two pages say that Trump made $150 million and paid $38 million in taxes. He paid 
like 25, 26%. Yes. Well, we're really going to do this 20, 22 minute buildup of uh, oligarchs and, 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 and all of these conspiracy theories. We're really going to do all of this and then present these two pages that shows that he paid 35, 36, 37 million dollars in taxes. I don't get your point. Well, my point, Rachel, is it's going to make him look good. And it's going to destroy a narrative that's been being built, which is Trump doesn't pay his taxes for over a year. It's been all about Trump not paying his taxes. Yes, but no, 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 no. Again, I don't mean to talk out of line, Rachel, but it's Trump not paying his taxes. And this obviously shows that he paid his taxes. Now, if the new narrative is collusion with Russia and Russian oligarchs, we have two pages, nothing else. Nothing links him to the Russians. So the only narrative you're going to destroy is that he doesn't pay taxes. Nobody did that. No. How Michael Moore, when he watched the episode, instantly he went clearly obvious, clearly the source. Trump leaked it himself. Clearly. So if, if, if it was so clear to Michael Moore, why wasn't it clear to David Kay, the stalker, Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, NBC? You can't tell me that David Kay, Rachel Maddow, NBC, MSNBC, executives, uh, uh, you know, uh, Everybody involved with all of them, you can't tell me that they're happy. And whatever big ratings bump they got, I mean, not one night, one ratings bump, ratings bump cannot be worth the ridicule, the scorn. Having fellow liberals turn on you. You can't tell me that. that, You can't tell me that that was worth it. And you can't tell me that was planned. There's no way. So what you're saying is all of these people got suckered. They're not smart. They're dumb. They're imbeciles. And Donald Trump outfoxed them, outsmarted them. The big, stupid, goofy billionaire with horrible hair and orange skin outfoxed geniuses like Rachel Maddow? Because clearly that's the alternative to... NBC, Rachel Maddow, and everybody associated with them doing what they did on purpose. 
because Michael Moore, Michael Moore clearly, he, he saw clearly leaked the return himself. As soon as Michael Moore, as soon as he watched that segment, he went, clearly, the source is Donald Trump himself. So one would have to take from Michael Moore is that he would have looked at that tax return and said, I'm not going to run this. I'm not going to talk about this because obviously this is what Donald Trump wants. Obviously, this is what the White House wants. Obviously, they want me to talk about this because there's nothing bad here. It only paints him in a good light. So guess what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to throw it away. Or I'll just give it to the Washington Post. I'll give it to the New York Times. I'll let them run with it. And then I'll do a story if I want to based off of what they do with it. But this just makes him look. So obviously Michael Moore would have done that. So it's just funny how uh, the liberals are, are, are now going, oh, obviously Trump leaked it. Obviously Trump leaked it. So if you believe that, then you have to believe that you're stupid because you ran with it. You ran with it. You, you, got, you got sucked in. You got sucked in to the Trump vortex. You got bamboozled. And that's not something proud. <laughs> it's, never, it's never proud to be scammed. But that's what the liberals are doing. That's what Michael Moore is doing. And he's not the only one. There's a bunch of them. I just to Michael Moore because one of my listeners said, you got you to gotta troll him. You, you got to troll him. It's funny. So that's why we're doing the Michael Moore. And that's why we're talking about the Rachel... Uh, Maddow fiasco again. Because when Michael Moore is saying clearly the source of the leak return is Trump himself, for Michael Moore to know that, but Rachel Maddow and the rest of the crew didn't, what the hell does that say about them? What does it say about them? So, just wanted to, to... to hit that. Just wanted to hit that. That's all. It's Rob Zakari. It's Rob Zakari Show. Let's take a, a real quick, and I mean quick, break. And then I want to talk about uh, Russia and Trump hacking. Because somehow that's not a story anymore. It's kind of funny how that is. Kind of funny how it is that that's not a story anymore. It's, it's not a story anymore. Well, actually, what is a story, what is a story is congressmen like Paul Ryan or um, Senate Intelligence Committee Chair Richard Burr saying, we have not seen any evidence that there was a wiretap or a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act 
court order against Trump Tower or somebody in Trump Tower. Speaker Paul Ryan said, hmm. If that's the case, how did Trump collude with the Russians to hack the election and change the votes to give him the win over Hillary? If, if there was no wiretapping against Trump, if there was no Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act against Trump Tower, if none of this existed, how did Donald Trump collude with the Russians? I mean, if you're engaged in colluding with the Russians, if you're engaged with Russian banks, remember the story? Remember the Washington Times or the Washington Post story? The New York Times story? There is a server in the Trump Tower that's connected to the Alpha Bank. And then, of course, according to Rachel Maddow, a Cypress Bank. If all these stories were being written, talking about collusion and Russian hacking and, of course, prostitutes peeing on each other. If all of these things were 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 written about and reported on by, you know, the paper of record, the New York Times and the second paper of record, the Washington Post. How can the Foreign Intelligence Committee chairman and Speaker Paul Ryan, how can they have no evidence of a wiretap? How can there be no evidence of FISA requests or FISA warrants. How is that? Does anybody know how that is? Anybody know how that is? Because about a, what, month before Trump won... We heard Russian. Well, actually, we didn't really hear. We heard whispers from the Hillary Clinton camp. We heard whispers. Obama said, hey, this is just a, um, a, a, a candidate, and he's referring to Trump, that's, that's crying. He, he's, he's, he's whining. And other Democrats said, Trump is talking about a rigged system. He's basically just setting himself up for when he loses, he has an excuse. And any hacking that was going on, Obama told Putin, knock it off. And of course... Putin said, yes. So before the election, there was no 
hacking concerns. There was no throwing the election Trump via the Russians. Now, once Trump won, and the Democrats, the media, and the rest of the I didn't vote for Trump crew had to explain how he won, we heard about the Russians. We heard about colluding. We heard about hacking. We heard about golden showers. We heard about all these connections that involve Trump and the Russians. And that's the only way he was able to win. He colluded with the Russians. The election. They interfered with the democratic process. And then we saw stories. Wiretapping. Surveillance on Trump Tower and the servers and Alpha Bank. And they would just bounce around from the Washington Post to the New York Times. Dossiers, golden showers, secret meetings. Week after week, we kept hearing that. And then all of a sudden, something funny happened. All of a sudden, something really, really funny happened. Trump tweeted, Hey, President Obama, I just found out, was tapping my wires. What the hell that means? And then instantly... Then instantly, you watch the media, you watch the media backpedal. And they backpedaled to an extent where a non, and I mean non-Trump supporter, because you can't get any more non-Trump supporter than former acting CIA director Michael Morrell. This is somebody who endorsed Hillary Clinton and said Donald Trump was a dupe of Russia. So he was part of the CIA. During the primary and election season. He was actually supposed to be the CIA director, but Hillary Clinton lost. So you got to remember this timeline. Before the election, you didn't really hear about hacking. The only thing you heard was Trump say the system is rigged. And you heard Obama and the Democrats say Trump is whining. He's just setting up for his eventual loss to try to protect his brand because his brand's all about winning. 
Yeah, the Russians tried to play games, but when I went to China, I told Putin, knock it off. Hillary Clinton loses. It stuns half the country and the entire, the entire media spectrum, print, TV, cable, radio, just, just, just knocks them on their asses. 99% 99% of the media, all Democrats, the 1% were half never Trumpers. So now they got to have an explanation. And on top of an explanation, they also have to tarnish Trump. Because Obama's not going to give him a pass for birtherism. So they got to have an excuse. Why did Hillary lose? Because Trump was colluding with the Russians. So day after day, week after week, this happens. Man, people like Rachel Maddow, every night, does a story of the most craziest, bizarre, conspiracy... She makes Alex Jones look rational. Talking about things that happened 15 or 20 years ago that would eventually lead to payoffs today because people from 15 or 20 years ago knew that Trump would run for president and, of course, win. And it wasn't stopping. It wasn't until the morning that Trump said, Hey, I just found out the former president, uh, Obama, a really bad guy, tapped my wires. And people went, whoa, whoa, time out. What just happened? Yeah, he tapped my wires. All this colluding. All of these things these people are saying. Of course, I'm just paraphrasing. But you have to imagine, this is what people have been thinking. That Trump's been under surveillance. Because in order for all of these stories to be coming out, talking about Trump colluding and, and cash payments and all of this crazy stuff and New York Times articles and wiretaps and uh, servers connected to, to, to alpha banks and blah, 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 blah. When Trump says, hey, yeah, yeah, I just found out. Yep. Tap my wires. Democrats know this is bad. The media knows this is bad. Because their beloved president, Obama, could look really, really bad. So what they have to do is put the brakes on the colluding, put the brakes on Trump was involved, and say Trump is crazy, he has no evidence of wiretapping, so one side has to do that. And then the other side has to go, oh, and uh, by the way, there's no colluding with Trump and the Russians. 
There's no colluding. Never happened. It's all good. Because you don't hear that anymore. Michael Morrell, who is going to run the CIA for Hillary Clinton, when he goes on TV and says, I have seen no evidence that Trump associates cooperated with the Russians. And then he also goes on to question the dossier. Remember, Jennifer Palmieri for the last month has been running around on CNN and MSNBC and ABC. And who is she? Nothing more than a communications director for the Hillary Clinton camp. That's all. She has no intelligence clearance. She's not in the inner workings of the FBI and CIA. And she's been running around saying the Trump campaign cooperated with the Russians' efforts to interfere in the election against Hillary Clinton. So once Trump says, hey, Obama, tap my wires, puts the brakes on all of this. Puts the brakes on all of this. And, of course, nobody sees it like that. Nobody sees that Trump did it on purpose. Nobody sees, well, at least nobody in the media sees it that way. The Jim Acostas and the Jake Tappers and the Joe Scarboroughs, they think Trump is crazy because they can't come out and say, hey, we were running a McCarthy-like smear campaign against Trump. He made us all look foolish. He made us all look like a bunch of babies. He made us look like a bunch of incompetent jack-offs. And we're pissed. And we don't like him. We don't like Republicans. We don't like the ideology Republicans are all about. We, we don't like any of it. They can't come out and say that. They can't come out and say, obviously, the president... United States did what he did as a strategic move to get all of us to stop our Russian colluding stories because the only way we all could have this information, the only way the collusion could happen, the only way for people to know all of this is through surveillance, through wiretapping, through FISA, through all of these things that have been tiptoed around by us media to make the low-information voter go, oh, yes, yeah, see, look at that. 
Look at that. Trump was under surveillance. Trump was under that. Look at this. Oh, look at all the information they got. So they can't come out and say Trump forced us to admit that we created this. Created this McCarthy-like conspiracy. So instead, what Tapper and them say is, oh, Trump's crazy. How, how, could, you, how could you trust a president who, who, who just says things that are unproven? And Trump can't really come out and say, hey, jack-offs, I said what I said to put you guys on blast and to force you guys to come clean with the American people and say, I was not colluding with the Russians. Now, maybe he can. Maybe he will. Or the strategy is to have people like me go, hey, I think this is what Trump did. I think this is the concept. And then point out how now all of a sudden you have CIA people, CIA directors who despise Trump going on television saying there was no collusion. Even when people like Jennifer Palmieri have been carrying collusion water. And Michael Morell is also talking about the dossier and say Christopher Steele paid Russian sources and interviewed them through intermarries. He said there's a little campfire, but there's no candle, there's no spark, and there's a lot of people looking into it. He said even James Clapper On March 5th said there was no evidence of a conspiracy whatsoever. And he went on to talk about the dossier. Said unless you know the sources and unless you know how a particular source acquired a particular piece of information, you can't judge the information. You just can't. The dossier doesn't take you anywhere. He continued to say, I had two questions when I first read it. One was, how did Chris talk to these sources? Which subsequently, I learned that he used intermarries. And then I asked myself, What did these guys provide this information? Why did these guys provide this information? What was their motivation? And subsequently, I learned that he paid them. That the intermarries paid the sources and the intermarries got the money from Chris. And that kind of worries me a little bit because if you're paying somebody, particularly former FSB officers, They're going to tell you truth and innuendo and rumor. And they're going to call you up and say, hey, let's have another meeting. I have more information for you. 
because they want to get paid some more. So I think you've got to take all of that into consideration when you consider the dossier. So here's basically what? The number two guy at the CIA during uh, the Obama reign? Giving an interview and giving all of this information that none of us knew. None of us knew that the guy who created the dossier was paying people for the information. And it wasn't people directly. There was a go-between. And that somebody like this CIA boss, this second-in-command, looked at that dossier and said, ah, garbage. This is garbage. And remember how big of a story the dossier was. That was breaking news. That was CNN, when you want to talk about colluding, that was CNN colluding with BuzzFeed. We'll break the news. You're going to put the dossier up because we're not going to put up golden showers. You put it up, then we're going to talk about it because that's how they do it. They're all part of the same team. They're all Democrats. They're all liberals. They're all propaganda arms for the Democrat Party. One's TV, one's the Internet. Hey, you put this up on your site. You're going to get some heat. And we're going to talk about it. Because once one of them puts information out there, then it's fair game for every single one of the others to do their stories about. And I think Jake Tapper and and Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper, they even said that. They even played that game of, well, we weren't going to talk about the dossier. We weren't going to, you know, mention it. But once BuzzFeed, of course. Of course. It's kind of like all the women who just randomly popped up out of the blue that said, oh, Trump groped me, Trump groped me. What was it that we heard from the 79-year-old one? I was never going to say anything. But when I saw Anderson Cooper in the debate say to the president, have you ever done to any woman what you talked about on that tape with Billy Bush? And once the president said no, I knew I had to come out. I knew I had. That's the gimmick. So all of a sudden, you had James Clapper. Yeah, yeah, there's no collusion. Now you got the CIA 
second in command, former acting CIA director, said, "Yeah, there was there was nothing. There was there was no evidence whatsoever of cooperation with Trump, Trump associates, and the Russians." Completely contradicting Jennifer Palmieri, the media, and all of this happened right after Trump said, "Hey." Obama tapped my wires. You notice that? All of this stuff ended. The narrative completely shifted. The minute Trump came out and said, Hey, Obama tapped my wires. The minute that happened, the media, the Democrats, They all had to slam their brakes. I mean, everything this guy Michael Morrell said about the dossier and completely dismissing it and saying, look, this is complete BS. That could have been done before the breaking news. Well, we had to do the breaking. We had to talk about this because if James Clapper, if the intelligence community thought this was important enough, So James Clamper thought it was important enough, but the number two in charge, when he read it, went, ah, this is all BS. This is all BS. Again, obviously, this was a work. This was a scam. And if Trump never tweeted, my wires were tapped, which, guys, even that, watching CNN go, go, Mr. President, you said Obama tapped Obama. To even watching them, even watching them play the word game. And you would think after 16, 17 months of dealing with Trump, they would understand Trumpisms. They don't, or at least they refuse to. I shouldn't say they don't. They refuse to. But I think half the country does. I think half the country understands Trumpism. When Trump goes, we're going to build a wall, and in the middle of that wall... It's going to be this big, beautiful, shiny door. I mean, I think half the country understands that there's really not going to be a big, beautiful, shiny door in the middle of this great, big, beautiful wall. And you know the media understands that. But they refuse to acknowledge that. They, they refuse to acknowledge we're in a different era. This is a different president. The American people are different. And their little world that they live in is outdated, antiquated, 
and they're behind the times. And the majority of the American people don't think like the Washington establishment, the media elites. They don't think like that. They don't parse words. You know who parses words? A psychotic girlfriend or a psychotic boyfriend or husband or wife. Those are people that parse words. You're having a conversation with them. And they pick out this one teeny tiny little word and the, uh, you know, the tone of how that word was. And that becomes a, a you know, a, a scene from Goodfellas. What do you mean? What, what, do you, what do you mean funny? Huh? What, what is so funny? The media's in their own bubble. The Washington elites are, and I don't even, I don't even like to call them all elites because elites makes them sound special. Just some, a jack off who wants to get into this aspect of the business, they move to Washington or they move to, uh, you know, New York. And they run in that circle. And their goal is to get a job at the Daily Beast or become a pundit. Uh, for MSNBC. So they hang out at the restaurants and the bars and the clubs where all of these people hang out at. And they get in tight with them. And the majority of these people are, are making your, your thirty or 40000 a year. But we see them as something special because they're on TV. And when you're on TV, you're automatically special. But they're just like the rest of us. But they think they're special. So all of this ended when Trump did the Tapped my wires. And that's now why you have what's going on. And even, and even, and even break down what some of these guys are saying. Even when you break down with some of what they're saying. It's not a hundred percent for sure. When you when you hear uh, 
when you hear Nunez, okay? So when you hear this, okay? When you hear this, the leaders of the House Intelligence Community uh, Committee have said that they have yet to see any evidence of wiretapping, but have yet to flatly rule out all surveillance. House Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunez admitted that he doesn't believe Obama ordered a physical wiretap or other surveillance activities of Trump power, but added, we want to make sure that no surveillance activities were used for political purposes. So, you see how everybody's being very careful with what they're saying, but they're being very forceful with what Trump is saying as far as Obama wire tapped. Because as long as they could stick to the image that Obama looked like O.J. Simpson, put on some the black gloves and the mask, And he sneaked into the Trump Tower with a little, you know, radio device and then put it into the light socket of a lamp that sits next to Trump. As long as they could put that image in people's minds and reference Trump talking about Obama wiretap, then anything other than that gets everybody off the hook and somehow makes Trump look like a crazy. But remember, remember, this whole thing is nuanced in so many ways because at the end of the day, Trump did what he did to force everybody to show their cards. Trump did what he did to force everybody to put up or shut up. And he can't admit that. Or, I should say, he might admit it. So he did what he did. He tweeted what he tweeted to get everybody to show their cards. And you're seeing everybody showing the cards because now everybody's backtracking on collusion with the Russians, no hacking, uh, you know, no connections. So that's now backtracked. And we're at Obama mask wiretap. But it's not that simple. Because now it's obvious that there was some type of surveillance. There was some type of surveillance. Even if it was what they're calling accidental. Accidental. 
intercepts. Meaning, somebody who is having a conversation with the Russian ambassador, and that conversation was recorded, that surveillance was conducted. That's why the media is trying to pinpoint and hammer down Trump saying, wiretap Obama. Because surveillance that was done accidentally, transcripts that came out of conversations that were accidentally caught on recorded phone calls. That is not the same. Obama putting on gloves, putting on a mask, sneaking into Trump Tower with a microphone. Totally different. Totally different. And as long as they could keep playing that game, they could stay away from, okay, so if Michael Flynn was accidentally recorded on a wiretap with Sergey or Sergey, and nobody was talking about blowing up buildings or anything that would put American lives in danger. That conversation and the contents of the conversation and the people involved in the conversation was supposed to be secret. That wasn't supposed to be outed to the Washington Post. That wasn't supposed to be outed to a member of the press. And by doing that, it obviously proves the deep state theory because if somebody that's part of the CIA or FBI is getting a transcript from something that is innocuous, innocent, and telling the Washington Post and building it as this collusion, as this wild criminal act, and they work for the CIA, and they work for the FBI, or they work for NSA, whatever, that's deep state stuff. So as long as wiretap Obama, ski mask, gloves, is the narrative, then everything else kind of gets swept under the rug. As long as Jim Shudo, as long as Jim Shudo can keep 
saying over and over, wiretapping, Obama, wiretapping, Obama. That is very specific. That is very specific. When the president says that really covers surveillance and many other things, it's wrong. The president was very specific. Obama, wiretap. Obama, wiretap. Wiretap, Obama. We'll see how it shakes out. But just remember, at the end of the day, the most important thing that came out of all of this is that there was no collusion of any kind with Trump and the Russians. And a simple tweet by Donald Trump saying, Obama tapped my wires, forced the Democrats and the media to backpedal and finally admit there was no collusion between Trump and Putin. They weren't on the phone talking about hacking John Podesta's email. The Russians and the Trump campaign were not working together to switch votes so Hillary would lose. Zero. Absolutely zero. So at the end of the day, Trump is not crazy. Trump is not a cuckoo bird. Trump did exactly exactly what he was supposed to, what they planned. And just like the tax returns, and all said and done, when the liberals are going, oh, obviously Trump leaked that. Obviously, they know that Trump changed the narrative and Trump forced all of them to admit that there was no collusion. They just can't say they got snookered. It's Rob Zuccari. It's Rob Zuccari. Show. We're going to take a quick break. It's real quick. It's like super quick. So don't go away. Uh, I wish I had a, a Diet Coke right now. Mmm. Anyways, we'll be right back. Mm. Mm. 2015, during a press conference, Secretary Clinton assured us her private email server was secure, saying the server was on private property guarded by the Secret Service. Now, this would be laughable if it wasn't so serious. I know, you know, my constituents in eastern Iowa know you don't need to be a cat burglar to hack into an email server, and you don't need a cloth to wipe a server clean. One would think that a former United States Senator, one would think that a former Secretary of State would know this as well. Would you agree with that statement? 
You would think, although as I said before, one of the things I've learned in this uh, case is that the Secretary may not have been as sophisticated as people assume. She didn't have a computer in her office at the State Department, for example. So I, I don't think, so I would assume the same thing about someone who'd been a Senator and a high-ranking official. I'm not sure it's a fair assumption in this case. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob Scary, Rob Scary Show. That was a uh, that was an oldie but a goodie. That was actually um, everybody's favorite, James Comey, talking about Hillary Clinton not being as sophisticated as we all thought uh, she was or is. So remember yesterday when we were talking about the um, John McCain um, just unhinged, like crazy, wacky. Just eight years ago, they said he was losing it. Remember, bomb, 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 bomb around. Pick Sarah Palin. Just, just he was losing it then. And then eight years before that, Carl Rove and the Bush crew said that he lost half his brain. And and Nam, remember, remember. Remember we did the whole bit yesterday because he said that Rand Paul now works for Putin, works for the Russians. I thought it was a pretty good bit. But Rand Paul today, (laughs) he responded. It was funny. He was on, of course, MSNBC with Morning Joe. And he said, I think maybe he's past his prime. Maybe he's gotten a little unhinged. He said, if we put active troops and get involved in combat where McCain wants us to be, they put an angry McCain on the map. It's virtually everywhere. His foreign policy is something that would greatly endanger the United States. Greatly, greatly overextended us. He makes a really strong case for term limits. (laughs) Yesterday we said it'd be great to see Rand Paul walk back through that door when McCain was like, Hey, he's working for the Russians! Paul just comes back and takes his wig off, puts it down, and walks over and just kicks McCain right in the nuts. Well, this is kind of it. <laughs> this is kind of it. Saying that uh, McCain uh, makes a really, 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 and he says it two, actually three times, strong case for term limits. And that he's a little past his prime. That that's like saying some that's like saying somebody's crazy. And he's gotten a little unhinged. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean I, I don't really have <laughs> I don't I don't really have much more than this. <laughs> Uh, I just thought it was funny that Rand Paul basically called him out and said, man, <laughs> you, 
You're just unhinged. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, yeah. Good old John McCain. I mean, he, like I said, eight years ago, he was crazy and people questioned his sanity. Eight years before that, he was crazy and they questioned his sanity. They're really questioning his sanity now when he's calling other senators agents for Vladimir Putin. Like I said yesterday, Ted Cruz got hell. He got a wrath of hell for basically saying Mitch McConnell was a liar. And that was used against them throughout the primaries. This is McCain calling another senator a traitor. Someone working for Vladimir Putin. I mean, you want to talk about someone that should be censured. I remember when the liberals were outraged over Ted Cruz calling Mitch McConnell a liar. (gasps) How could he say that? This is the Senate. It's an institution. I watched Chris Matthews almost cry when all Watch Chris Matthews. How could this guy? That's why no one likes him. Well, what about McCain calling Rand Paul an agent of Putin? And like I said yesterday, why nobody will get on McCain's case? Because he's the Republican that MSNBC and CNN can put on that will bash. Trump and will bash other Republicans and then they're able to show their fans or their audience look we're we're not biased look we have Republicans on and look Trump is a scumbag Republicans by and large are scumbags because here's one of their own calling their leadership scumbags That's why you haven't seen the outrage of the rest of the media landscape being upset at, uh, you know, McCain. Anyways, funny. Just wanted to throw it out there. Okay. (laughs) So the budget came out, at least a blueprint. And oh, yeah, yeah. Liberals, I, the, the Democrats, liberals, progressives, wow, they're about to just lose their minds. And this is just, you know, <laughs> it's just like when we talk about immigration. And I'm not going to bore everybody with my uh, shoes analogy. It's very simple and very uh, similar. We've been running this country a certain way for a certain amount of time. So a lot of the 
bad stuff, bad habits, if you will, have been baked into the cake. So that we've all just dealt with it. We've all just gotten accustomed to it. We've all just embraced it. And sure, it's fun to rally against and politicians will, will bang the drum, boom, 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 and we got to stop this, my God. But when push comes to shove, nobody ever does. Because everybody gets used to it. Everybody gets accustomed to it. You know, I get maybe 30 years ago, PBS and the importance of public TV. But we've come a long way as far as technology and basic television. The poorest of poor people have cable. The poorest of poor people have smartphones. So this notion that we have to have public broadcasting, we have to have, you know, know, free programming because it's this intellectual bastion of, uh, uh, you know, sharpening children's minds. It's, it's, that's, That's BS. It's bunk. It's garbage. Public broadcasting. We've had it for so long. You know, it's kind of like... Again, I don't want to use the shoes in the house on the new carpet analogy. And I don't want to use the employee analogy because not everybody is ran their own business. I guess it's 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 more akin to maybe that drunken uncle that you 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 gotta deal with every month at a family function or and you know you 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 shouldn't and you know you should stop and you should know you there you know there should be limits, but it's like, eh, we're so used to it. We were just, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't even know if that's a good analogy. I don't even know if that's a good analogy. But the notion that we should fund public broadcasting or 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 public radio is 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 ludicrous and for people to act like we live in a time where you might be able you might be able to have a bit of an argument but it, it's 17 now man I'm rolling down the street with my girl, and in Los Angeles, they don't care about, you know, homeless people 
uh, making tents on the street. Like you go down Sunset Boulevard or you go down Hollywood, uh, like like epic streets, and you literally weave in and out of homeless people posted up in tents, and they don't even have boxes anymore. Forget boxes. That's 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 old school BS. They got tents, like nice tents, $300 tents, giant eight-people tents, and they're parked right on the street. So you're driving, and they're, they're, they're out in front of their tent. They're getting stunned. We're at the light, and I go, look at the guy. He's got a phone. There's a homeless guy with a phone. What happened to homeless people? With, with, you know, with dirty underwear, begging for change just so they could get a, 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 a I don't know, a, a sandwich. This, this guy's homeless with a phone. He's on his phone. So he's just, he's just, what's he got, a Twitter account? I don't know. So, yeah, the public broadcasting. So get out of here. And when I see Hollywood all distraught. Get, man, you a-holes, you a-holes are donating three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a plate just so you could hang out with Obama for 10 minutes at Gwyneth Paltrow's house. Get out of here, jerk off. So, yeah. Trump says, we're going to cut, you know, 10% here. We're going to cut 12% there. State Department. We're, we're going we're gonna to cut these programs. People are like, oh, my God. You, we, we can't look. Why? What do you, what, well, you want to know what that money goes towards? Clean water for people who live in the Sudan. What? Get out of here with your clean water for people living in Sudan. Stop. How about clean water for people that live in Flint, Michigan, jerk off? Stop. Well, they're going to eliminate 2,000 jobs from the federal government. And, well, that's a lot of jobs. And, you know... People seem to forget tax dollars pay for all of these programs in the federal government. So if you grow the federal government, if you grow jobs in the federal government, where does that money come from? Where where, where, where does that money come from? Doesn't come from Leonardo DiCaprio. Doesn't come from Apple, Amazon. Comes from us. That's our tax dollars. So if you have more federal jobs and you have more federal programs, you need more tax dollars. So you have to raise taxes. You have to impose different regulations. 
That's why when you go and get gasoline or you go get, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, cable TV or F, man, F, you go get a, a plastic bag at your grocery store and they charge you 20 effing cents. All of these things aren't put in place to make your life better. They're put in place to pay some a-hole bureaucrat that's sitting in Washington or sitting in whatever state you're from. That's tax money. You ever notice, you ever notice that we're constantly being told Our schools are crumbling. Our schools are crumbling. Our education system is broke. Our schools are crumbling. And we hear that from the left and we hear that from the right. But yet, every single state has a lottery. And that lottery makes money. And that money is supposed to go towards schools. That's all supposed to go towards schools. What happens to that money? Well, do the schools eat that money up? How are schools continuously crappy when you have lotteries that are making hundreds of millions of dollars? And yet, I guess they burn through all the money. No. They're federal employees or they're state employees. Do you realize out here in California, and I know, and I know uh, at times this is a um, subject because I've mentioned it to my liberal dad and he's gotten all like, whoa, it's the pension. But do you realize, like out here in California, the system that is in place out here in California with a lot of these uh, state workers. They get a pension where at the age of 55 or 50, or in some cases, maybe a little younger because uh, of forced retirement, when they're gone, I would, don't quote me on the numbers, but it's well above 60%. They get close to 80% of their pay for life. And we're not talking about Social Security, where you don't get your benefits until you're 70 years old opt to get them early at the age of 65. You're talking about people that retire at 55 and when they retired they retired at 150,000 a year or or make it easy 100,000 a year. They wind up getting health benefits and 80%. So they'll get 80 thousand a year until they die 
So that person's 55. They live for what? 20 years? 25 more years? And they're getting $80,000 a year from that state. So now apply that to the federal government. That comes from us. Our tax dollars. So when you hear people go, oh, well, you know, they're going to cut a thousand jobs in the EPA and they're going to cut the the endowment for the arts. Endowment for the arts. Isn't that the same group that gave money to artists back in the 80s and 90s who did exhibits where they took a crucifix and dumped it in a bottle of piss and it was called piss christ wasn't that tax dollars uh yeah oh okay yeah but you know it's it's art and it's in a museum get, get, get some rich prick okay get get michael moore get uh, oprah winfrey go get queen bear to kick down a million or two for 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 that museum, okay? Not my money. Another art exhibit. Maplethorpe. I think it was Maplethorpe. Where it was a guy with, with like a fist up his rectum. I I'm kidding you not. All of these exhibits were funded by tax dollars. Now, I know these are extreme cases, but even not extreme cases, we should not be using tax dollars to give to artists. That's, it's, it's retarded. It's retarded. And Trump ran and said, we got to cut the budget. We have to get rid of waste. And when I hear people go, yeah, well, you have the military, so you're going to up military, you're going to up Department of Homeland Security, okay? And, well, we already are t- 10 times uh, more powerful than whatever. Okay, and, okay. Can never be too powerful, okay? Our military can never be too powerful. And Homeland Security? Yeah, yeah, we're going to up Homeland Security. Again, security. Not crucifixes and urine. All right? Do, do, Do you follow me? Oh, but you you can't do that. Trump ran on this platform. He ran on this platform. Half the American people voted for it. Every single year. Or every election cycle. Somebody talks about cutting waste. 
cutting the size of the federal government. Everybody claps. Yay! And then everybody always throws in this zinger because they did it with Trump. CNN did it with Trump. What Trump is cutting is really just a tip of the iceberg. Because at the end of the day, the thing that he says he will not touch is what takes up the majority of the federal budget, which is entitlement programs, Social Security, and Medicare. Well, stupid. Listen to me. Social Security is not an entitlement program. I wish people would stop calling Social Security an entitlement program. Social Security is taken from us. Every paycheck we get, money is taken from us. That is our money. An entitlement program is something that is given. Hey, I'm going to give you a tax credit. Or I'm going to give you free health care. Social security is our money. If you get $800 a week and you get your check and it's $162 and you go, Jesus. And you look and you're like, okay, uh, that line, that line, social security. Wow, they took out $63 for Social Security. That's your money. It's not an entitlement program. It's not, it's not an entitlement program. And just think about this. People call it an entitlement program, and if you've been working, Say you've been working since you were 20 years old. You've had a steady job since you were 20 years old, okay? So 20 years old, you've been working. And you've been paying Social Security taxes year after year after year after year. And you're one of those people that works and you don't want to retire. You, you, don't, you don't get the luxury of having a, a state job or a federal job where you get to retire at 50 and collect an 80% pension at full benefits. Okay? You're not one of them. You're a blue-collar guy. You keep yourself fit, and you're like, you know what, man? I'm 51. I'm still going to drive this truck. I could still drive cross country. I, you know, I, I could still run a bulldozer. So you've been working 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Say you've been working for 45 years. You've been paying Social Security. You now decide, you know what? I'm going to opt in to get Social Security at 65. You're not going to get the max because you're getting it before 70. You're going to get maybe $1,500 a month. 
and you're going to have the, the, and the government's going to take care of your medical. Do you realize how long you'll have to live until you collect back what you've been paying into the system since you were 20 years old? So let's just say you make it 10 years, you die at 75. It's over. The government effed you. Somebody else has your money. That is not an entitlement program. Social security is your money. I mean, if you really wanted to make it fair, which they won't, but really, if they wanted to make it fair, everything you put in is everything you get back. But you you can't do that. Because Social Security is really just one big Ponzi scheme. Because at the age of 20, you work your ass off. And at the end of the year, you could actually go, wow, I paid $5,800 into Social Security. So at the end of 10 years, and I'm just throwing out numbers here, guys, just for, you know, for an example. So at the end of 10 years, you could, wow, I paid $50,000 into Social Security. I mean, you literally, in your head, can keep a running total. It's not an entitlement program. It's not an entitlement program. And the only way, the only way you could stop the madness is say, okay, no more Social Security from this point to here. This is the only way you could stop the madness, but it will never happen. So when people point to Trump and go, oh, but you're, you're not doing anything with the entitlements. And even in the health care bill, when they talked about entitlements, they got crucified for it. Trump got crucified for it. Oh, look, he's limiting how much money will go to Medicaid. But the, uh, okay. Medicaid, Medicare. What, I mean, we're stuck. It's like stuck. So always remember when you're talking to one of your douchey liberal friends. Social Security is not an entitlement. It is our money. Now, if you've never paid in, it's not your money. If you've been one of those people that have never gotten a, a, a paycheck, quote-unquote, 
that's had taxes taken out. Maybe you work under the table. Maybe you do some shady stuff. Who knows? But if you've had a legitimate job where every single week you get a paycheck and you look at it and go, this paycheck sucks ass. 200 of it went to taxes and Social Security. This is BS. That money is yours. It's not an entitlement program. Just remember that. Just remember that. So, this budget, and we'll see what happens because already, I, I think the, the, the tomorrow Washington Post headline is supposed to be uh, Republicans uh, in the Senate have come out against, let me see, I had it up here, and congressional Republicans sharply criticized Trump, uh, Trump's budget. Defense hawks, rural conservatives, and even some of Donald Trump's most vocal supporters in Congress push back on the huge potential hike in defense spending uh, as insufficient and decrying uh, some other cuts to federal agencies and programs. Several of his closest allies have said that his plan virtually no chance in Congress. In con- That's what they say. No chance in Congress. And again, remember, all of these cuts are government jobs. They're jobs that are paid for by us. And the other misnomer that I love when I listen to uh, liberals and, and, and the media trash these budgets, these, these slashes. Oh well, you know when when you when you when you slash, uh, you know this agency, uh, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, or or you you, you know uh, slash. Oh God, you know Interior Department, or you say what whatever. And they go, you know, uh, 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 diseases. Uh, our, our, our cures are found. Listen to me. Do you realize that the biggest innovations, the, the, the biggest uh, technological advancements, all of the great things that have happened in the last 30 plus years that makes our lives awesome have not been created by the federal government. Go back a hundred years. Cars were not created by the federal government. Airplanes, not created by the federal government. The internet, contrary to Al Gore's assertion, was not created by the federal government. Phones. Alcohol. Drugs. All of these things that we have in our lives that make things just a little bit easier were not created by the federal government. 
I'm sure you could find me a handful of things to go, well, Rob, uh, take a look here. If it wasn't for the federal government, this would have been, okay, like I said, I'll give you a handful of things. But the majority, the majority of things that we have in our society were created by the private sector. They were created by some guy sitting in in his garage. What could people not go without? Besides water, and and I know I'm I'm, you know, being a little over the top on this one, but your iPhone can't go without your iPhone. Sure, you got Samsungs and you got uh, you know uh, all the other ones, but you pull out a phone that's not an iPhone, somebody looks at you like you got AIDS. Like, ooh, what's uh, the hell's that? Well. The iPhone wasn't created by the federal government. Okay? Even the Small Business Administration that Trump is hitting with a 5% reduction, they didn't create the iPhone. Steve Jobs. Steve Wynoski, whatever his name is. In his garage, created Apple. Not government. And then that evolved into iPhones, iPods. The list goes on and on. Facebook. The greatest since sliced effing bread. Mark Zuckerberg. Stealing the idea from two twins who went to Harvard or Princeton or wherever the hell it was. There's no government creation there. The government does not invent. Okay? The only reason everybody's bitching and moaning and the Washington Post has the headline of, oh, congressional uh, uh, Republican leaders... Uh, say that this is this is you know there's too many ma- massive cuts to the arts the science and po- science we mean the science the science the science like I said the science who who Tell me, tell me, tell me what the government created. Tell me what the government created. Man. What this is, is a whole bunch of bureaucrats, all of these departments crapping their pants that they're going to lose their jobs. And everybody in these departments has a friend somewhere in Congress, the Senate, 
and in the media. And that's why now you see people freaking out. Because this outsider has come to Washington and said, why do we give $100 million to this department? Well, it helps poor people. Yeah, but you could do the job with $50 million. Why do you need $100 million? Well, because we staff 300 people. Why do you need 300 people? You get the job done with 200 people. The other 100 are just assistants of assistants. Why do you need assistance on top of assistance on top of assistance? I mean, that's how the federal government works. I go to the post office every other day, okay? I have a friend that's got a little order business, and sometimes I help him out. I know, it sounds really bizarre, but I do. I help him out. So I'll go to the post office, maybe not every day but at least three times a week. And when I go to the post office, uh, two to three times, there's a line. This long-ass line, about 30 people in it, all trying to mail their packages. And at the window, there's two people, two people working for 30 in line. And yet, you could see other post office workers mulling around in the back. And I'm not saying they're playing tiddlywinks, but they're not necessarily working. I mean, sometimes they have somebody that's in the lobby staring at you while you're in line. Randomly asking people, well, do, you, do you have a question? Do you, do you need anything? Yeah. How about uh, another clerk to get the line going? How about that? I don't need you asking me if I need effing stamps today. But they don't care. That's the federal government. Got a whole bunch of people. People on top of people on top of people. Instead of doing their jobs or being resourceful, it's like, well, our budget is $50 million. We can hire 1,000 people, and that's what we do. Where, in theory, we could only use 700 people and actually put everybody to work. And I know every single one of you have gone through situations like this. Where you go somewhere, a job, a restaurant, wherever. And you're just sitting there going, what do all these people do? Well, that's Bob. He's the manager. That's Stan. That's the assistant manager. That's Billy. That's the shift supervisor. That's Sally, the other ship supervisor. And you said, wow, okay, and then who are they? Well, that's 
the staff. See, that's upper management. Those are the supervisors. That's the staff. Okay, well then, who about, oh, well, those are the secretaries and assistants for the supervisor. Get, get out of here. And that's what we're talking about here, because when you hear them say, well, uh, uh, Trump is going to, uh, uh, Trump is going to, um, Cut the Environmental Protection Agency by 31%. People go, oh, my God. Oh, the waters are going to be polluted. Oh, my God. Really? Like, really? Come on. Really? (laughs) Really? So, (laughs) so the agency is going to be cut. So instead of a thousand or two thousand or three thousand people, there's only gonna be, you know, fifteen hundred people. And you really think now all of a sudden the air we breathe or or, or when we go outside, it's going to look like China where it's just smog. Really? Nothing's going to change. Very similar to the way everybody said, hey, you know, if Trump becomes president, do you realize the markets are going to collapse, the world's going to end, blow up, and none of that happened. And it's the same thing with all of this stuff. Oh, well, if, if you, if, if you, if you cut the education department by 14%, everybody's going to be stupid. Really? 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 If you cut the energy department by 6%, the world's going to go dark. Oh. <laughs> okay. I get it. And it's not the case. It's just, it's not the case. It's just not the case. But listen, tomorrow, what about George Zimmerman? Oh, George Zimmerman. Where's where's George Zimmerman? Where is he? Is he back? Uh, you guys kill me, okay? You guys, you guys, you guys kill me. But tomorrow, let's break down this, you know. <laughs> Her new... Lisa. <laughs> uh, guys... I, I not, see that you guys came in late now, and now uh, that's it. But tomorrow we'll 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 break down uh, the uh, the budget. But I I mean it's you know it's it's just crazy. Listen to both sides bitch and moan about the budget as if uh, you know. Uh, a, a catastrophic 
explosion will happen because there's not going to be $5 million to fund a clean water initiative in Ethiopia or the Sudan. The 2017 uh, budget for the State Department, $38 billion. Trump's proposal is for it to be $27 billion, increase of $10 billion. And it eliminates the climate change prevention programs, including pledged payments to UN climate change programs. Yeah. Reduces funding for UN peacekeeping missions. Okay, great. Next. Reduces funding for development banks such as the World Bank. Okay. Reduces mo- reduces cultural exchange programs. Listen, do you really think? Just, just let's let's think about this. Again, remember this is our money. Are you gonna wake up in the morning? And realize that there's a reduced funding going on in a UN peacekeeping mission. And are you going to care? And is it going to affect your life? What do you think? Maybe I could phrase it like this. What do you think? will have more effect on your life. If the $10 billion decreased from the State Department, or it stays at the level it's at today. Just, just what way do you think your life will be impacted? And that's really... At the end of the day, all that should matter, nationalism, uh, you, you know, whatever derogatory, uh, you know, name the alt-left wants to label someone like me for pointing out. But truthfully, look at it that way. Your life changing and you feeling the effects of this State Department budget cut or keeping it the same, which way do you think you're more likely to feel the effect? Exactly. You've got a better shot of actually feeling the effect of this department losing $10 billion than status. And that's how you got to look at these things. Treasury Department. The budget was $12.6 billion. The new proposal is $12.1 billion. A point four percent change, a decrease of zero point five billion. Here's what it does: reduces funding for the Internal Revenue Service by two hundred and thirty nine million, and 
eliminates grants for community development financial institutions, which provide financial services in economically distressed neighborhoods. Obviously, the money that was supposed to be going towards this, I guess, hasn't been working in the last eight years under Obama. So you've got to look at a lot of these budgets like what has the money gone to in the last eight years? And when the liberals go, oh, well, you're cutting money for this group or that group, you have to say, well, okay, what's going on with that group in the last eight years? They've been getting that money. What's happening? <sighs> Environmental Protection Agency. This is the one that's got all the liberals going nuts. Budget of $8.2 billion in 2017. 2018 proposal of $5.7 billion. It's a decrease of $2.5 billion. Eliminates more than 50 programs and 3,200 jobs. 32, think about that, man. 30, 3,200 jobs. The EPA has that many jobs. And yet, every day, liberals tell us our environment is exploding and climate change and we're all going to die. And blah. And yet, they've got all this money and all these jobs and yet for the last eight years we're all dying get out of here uh, we uh, listen we could keep going through this um arts and cultural agencies remember we talked about this in the beginning one billion in 2017 2018 uh nothing Eliminates all $148 million for the National Endowment for the Arts and all $148 million for the National Endowment for the Humanities. Remember, piss Christ, a guy getting fisted in his rectum. That, that's the type of stuff that gets funded by um, the National Endowment of the Arts. And this is what Hollywood's bitching about. A billion bucks. That's what they're bitching about. Well, you know what? Tell Meryl Streep, tell Michael Moore, uh, tell uh, 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 Jay-Z, Queen Bear, Oprah Winfrey, tell all them to pitch in and, and, and refund uh, the National Endowment of the Arts. They all can come up with a billion bucks, okay? We're not coming up with it. No more. They can. It's a billion dollars. Oprah's got that sitting in her bank account. Jerk-offs. It's Rob Zakari. It's Rob Zakari Show. Listen, I'm done. We're going to see you guys tomorrow at uh, 7 p.m. Well, it's like more like 7.08 or whatever the hell it is. But anyway, 7 o'clock here. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Follow us on Spreaker. You are the best. You are the greatest. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Don't take any wooden nickels. And be careful of... ISIS. All right. Goodbye.